Welcome to Health Club with Julia. I'm your host, health coach, and registered dietitian, Julia Campagna. I'm on a mission to bridge the gap between looking your best and living your life to the fullest. After years of over-dieting, struggling with disordered eating, and destroying my social life, I finally found how to reach my dream physique without sacrificing the things I love. Now I'm sharing all my strategies and education with you. We'll be talking all things health, including hormones, metabolism, and lifestyle to help you cut out the confusion and start living. So get cozy and join the club. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Health Club with Julia podcast. As always, I am so happy you are here. Today's episode is going to be, I feel like, a little bit more of a nerdy episode. I feel like some of my past episodes are just more chatty, and that was kind of the the basis of this podcast. I wanted it to be more chatty with some in, informative bits and like actionable takeaways for you guys, but this one's going to be, I don't know, this one's, I, I guess for lack of a better term, more serious. I don't know. It's not a serious episode, but it's just more direct, I guess, and to the point. Rather than talking about, you know, diet culture and life and society, this one's more about disease state. And so I also feel like it's it's relevant because it's very, very common. And that is diabetes. And I wanted to dive into this because, well, first and foremost, I don't think anybody knows that I am a pre-diabetic certified health coach. Um, I got certified in that last year. So I, it's one that I don't really talk about often. And I don't know why, because I am certified in pre-diabetes health. And I feel like more people need help with that. Honestly, it's very relevant. It's very common, especially here in the U.S., 11.6% of the U.S. population has diabetes, and 38% of the U.S. population has prediabetes. And some of those percentages, like, don't even go diagnosed. But that just shows, like, it it is very up there with disease states and America. And so I feel like this is not only one that I want to talk about because I'm certified in it and because, you know, that's part of being a registered dietitian, that is something that we deal with a lot is diabetes. And it's very relevant to the, what's the word I'm looking for? It's very relevant to the degree that I have. And I am passionate about it, hence why I went and got pre-diabetic certified, because a lot of people need help with this. And it is running rampant. And I feel like numbers are just increasing and there's also, I feel like, a myth, so many myths surrounding diabetes that also make it very hard to manage for a lot of the population. They don't know what to do, what to eat, this and that. They hear so many different things on the internet, and they just struggle to manage it because of all of this different sayings from different people and myths that surround it. So I want to kind of debunk some of those myths as well, just to hopefully whoever's listening to this, if you have diabetes, hopefully this helps you understand that those things are just myths and it doesn't have to be super hard to manage diabetes. And especially if you are pre-diabetic, you can avoid going into a diabetic state. You don't have to get there. It's, It's not super hard to lower your A1C levels and become become non-prediabetic again. You don't have to, just because you have prediabetes doesn't mean you're absolutely going to get diabetes. And that is, you know, something I want to talk about as well. But 
Another thing that I think is very common, especially right now, especially over the last you know year or so, is just running to semiglutide for diabetes. And yes, semiglutide was used for diabetes. That is the main purpose of it. And a lot of people have, again, lack of a better term, abused that. Actually, not lack of a better term. A lot of people have abused that. They want to use it even if they are not pre-diabetic, even if they don't have diabetes, they want to use it for this weight loss reason. And you might not even have the disease state, and yet so many people are using this just for the the weight loss aspect of it, but they don't realize how detrimental that could be in the long term. And there's a lot more research that needs to be done with semiglutide. I'm, I'm not saying that there will be severe consequences down the line, but we also don't know that. And there has been a lot of speculation based on just the side effects that they're hearing with semiglutide, you know, that being an issue in the future and seeing all these side effects long-term. And again, need more research on the long-term side effects of semiglutide, but it's it's talked about. It's there. And so I don't want that to be the only thing that people run to when they have prediabetes or diabetes in general, because there's also a lot of issues just with that too. When you are reliant on something like semiglutide, a huge issue is that you're not learning how to deal with your overall healthy habits. You're not learning how to problem solve different habits that you're working on. You're just relying on this drug to help you with weight loss and lowering your A1C, which it might do that. And I saw somewhere that one of the semiglutide companies had even announced and, and admitted to, you know, putting it on the, I think it was on the label. I, I'm not exactly sure, but I did hear this or read about it somewhere that either one of the companies like um, founders said it, or they have it on the actual label of it, but roughly 70% of people who stop the semiglutide will gain that weight back and have other issues that, you know, maybe their A1C dropped and, you know, when you come off of it, maybe it goes back up. And that is because they're not learning how to actually take care of their health. They're just relying on this drug. And that has a whole another slew of negative effects as well. And so I don't want people to just run to that when they have prediabetes or diabetes and hope that that will take care of all their problems because it won't. Because as soon as you stop that drug, you are at a higher chance of gaining that weight back than not. Unless you really understand and learn how to manage it through healthy habits and working on the weight loss, not just being uh, you know, reliant on this drug. So a little bit of a tangent there, but that's just something that I have noticed a lot with this disease state is that people are running to a semiglutide and just hoping for the best with that. And then running into a lot of issues later on when they're done with it. So I want to go over some myths. I want to go over challenges that people have with diabetes and managing it and also give you some action steps. Again, this is for people who have diabetes, are pre-diabetic, could pass this on. If, if you're listening to this and you're not in one of those categories, maybe it's just for your overall health. Or if you're listening to this and you don't have one of those disease states, pre-diabetes, diabetes, maybe you can pass it on to somebody who you know does because I want to also give some actionable steps that you can take starting today after you listen to this that will help you manage your diabetes, prediabetes better.
not just running to a semaglutide and hoping for the best. So let's talk about some myths first. Number one is that you have to cut out all carbs. This is probably the most prevalent myth with diabetes. A lot of people who have diabetes automatically think I can't have any carbs anymore and they almost have to go keto because they have diabetes. And and carbs include all the things too. They think that they can't have fruit because it's too high in sugar and carb heavy and etc. So a lot of people think that you need to just cut out carbs when that's actually not the case at all and that can actually make things worse. Cutting out carbs and I'll I'll talk about this, you know, in in a little bit, but it can lead to things like insulin resistance and increased cholesterol and just other issues that you might not even realize because you don't know those things. And so when myths are being thrown out around diabetes that you have to cut out carbs, you're just you're not doing yourself a favor by doing that point blank. So I'm here to say you do not have to cut out all carbs and actually the opposite. You want more consistent carbs throughout the day, which again, I will talk about that with the action steps and and what that means, but you want consistent carbs. You do not want to just totally get rid of carbs. You're going to run into a lot more issues. So myth number one, having to cut out all carbs, including fruits, et cetera, not true. There's things that we should be aware of and limit but you do not have to just eat and should not just eat fats and proteins with little to no carbs. Myth number two is that low calories means lower blood sugar. So a lot of people, again, with diabetes or prediabetes are like, okay, I have to you know, eat a lot less. I can't eat as much. Low calorie, low calorie, low calorie. And while yes, part of pre-diabetes and diabetes, a lot of that entails, you know, weight loss and, and trying to improve your weight management. I'm also here to say that you don't necessarily need to lose weight to stop being pre-diabetic. Like you can work on your health without seeing a significant weight drop, but it is part of it, just overall weight management. And lowering your calories does help with that, right? We all know that eating less than you expend in a day is going to help with weight loss. That is a proven fact. However, when you eat too low of calories, it does not automatically mean that you are lowering your blood sugar. In fact, it can have the opposite effect depending. So like, for example, if you're somebody who intermittent fasts and doesn't eat until 12 or 1 p.m. because you're like, I need to intermittent fast and I can't eat that much and so I'm not going to eat all morning, that can actually have a significant impact on your blood sugar because you're going long periods of time without eating food. So that significantly does impact your blood sugar. So just because you are trying to eat low calorie does not mean it's just totally going to take care of your blood sugar. Also, you can be eating low calorie and still have spikes in blood sugar. You can still see changes in your blood sugar, it doesn't just mean that your blood sugar is going to be stable just because you're having low calories. So again, that is one that is probably doing you more of a disservice. Yes, we want to work on weight management, but that does not mean that you need to have low calorie, just lowering the calories that you're already having. So no extreme diets, no 1200 calorie diets, that's not going to be the answer for you. It's just being aware of how much you're eating and lowering that somewhat to help with your management. 
but doesn't necessarily mean you have to go super low calorie and starve yourself and be miserable in the process. And then myth number three is only eating clean. Again, only eating clean doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to help your prediabetes diabetes state. Again, is there some truth in eating quote unquote clean to help with your overall diet? Yes, absolutely. We do want to have the majority of our foods be quote unquote healthy or nutrient dense foods. Yes, absolutely. You want to limit the things like sugary foods, salty foods, all the things like we we know what we need to limit here. But only eating clean can also affect blood sugar. It can also cause things like binge eating, which can affect blood sugar. So only eating clean is not necessary with diabetes or prediabetes. So also wanting to go through that because a lot of people think that once they get this prediabetes or diabetic diagnosis, that their life is crumbling apart and they have to suffer through this to get better. You don't have to suffer through that. So I'm here to explain why and and what's going on. So those are the three biggest myths that I see. You do not have to cut out all carbs. You do not have to eat super low calorie. You do not have to eat only clean foods. I promise you, you can manage your diabetes and help lower your A1C levels and all that jazz, weight management, by not doing those things. So I want to also talk about, you know, the challenges that people face because they have diabetes. And this kind of ties into myths somewhat, but, um, and, and there's a few that people, a few challenges that people can experience. I'm only going to go through a brief list of them, but these things can make it harder to manage the diabetes. And this is where a lot of people struggle because they're unsure what to do, what's correct, what's incorrect. And they're facing these problems along the way, which makes it harder for them to move forward. They get stuck in this spot and then they can't move forward and they don't know what to do and they get really confused and then overwhelmed and frustrated and the cycle just keeps happening and you feel like you're on a hamster wheel and can't ever get off. I... Again, that's part of the reason why I want to give you action steps today so that you can overcome these challenges and also do it in a correct way where you're not really running into these challenges. These challenges can be avoided as well. We don't need to run into those. We can avoid them by doing the right things to manage your diabetes, prediabetes. So number one challenge that I see is, again, kind of going along with the myth, but avoiding carbs. This is a really big challenge for people with diabetes because they are taught that carbs are bad and they need to not have them and that's what's causing their blood sugar to spike, etc. And while yes, carbs do have a you know, cause an increase in your blood sugar, there's ways that you can go about having carbs and not seeing a significant spike and drop in your blood sugar. So, like I already mentioned, Avoiding carbs can actually lead to other problems as well, which again will make it harder to lose weight. You run into more health problems and makes the whole process a lot more difficult than it needed to be to begin with. So talking about this insulin resistance and the cholesterol stuff. So by avoiding carbs, that can lead and it can lead to insulin resistance. And this is because of an increased cortisol. 
I mean, not cortisol. Whoa, back it up. This is because inc increased cholesterol. Because if you think about it, if you are totally avoiding carbs, right, your main sources of food are coming from protein and coming from fat. So you're having a higher fat intake. Now, when you think of fatty foods, you know, there's the quote-unquote good ones, the healthy fats, the omega-3s that are olive oils, nuts, seeds, avocados, things like that. But there's also a lot of high-fat foods that people tend to gravitate towards because they're they're filling the gap from the carbs. They're not having the carbs, so they're filling the gap with more fats. Things like bacon and just fats that have higher saturated fats to them, trans fats to them. And by eating more of these foods, you are, in, you are at risk of increasing your cholesterol. And then this increased cholesterol can lead to insulin resistance. So it's kind of like all meshed together. And so that's one of the reasons why we don't want to avoid carbs is to run into this issue. And so when you think about it too, like if you're insulin resistant, this is going to cause your liver to release sugar anyway. If you're not eating any carbs, your liver will sense blood sugar is unstable because they do help stabilize your blood sugar. And so when your body is like, whoa, I'm not getting any carbs. Okay, my, my blood sugar is unstable. It's going to release that sugar anyway to try to keep that energy up in your body. And so you're still having that reaction regardless. And that's going to increase your blood sugar. When your liver is pumping out sugar to help with your energy levels because you're not having carbs, you're going to see an increase in blood sugar. So again, it's all connected to each other. You avoiding carbs is going to cause a systematic response within the body. Your liver is going to release sugar. It's going to increase your blood sugar. On top of that, you are at increased risk of increased cholesterol because you're having more fatty, specifically saturated fats, trans fats in your diet, which can also lead to insulin resistance. And then the cycle is just one happens, the other happens, the third thing happens, and you go around and around and around, and you're in this spot where you feel stuck. And more problems occur, and now you have to work harder to help with the cholesterol and help with the blood sugar and help with the diabetes. And so you have more added to your plate than just simply working on your overall diet, not avoiding anything or cutting things out, especially carbs, but just working on healthier habits within your diet together. You will avoid having all these other issues arise because of that. So that's one of the challenges with people with, you know, that are caused by diabetes and people kind of giving into these myths is that you're kind of doing more harm than good to your body. So let's not do that. Let's just work on our healthy habits without having to restrict or cut out anything because as I just talked about, it, it causes more harm than good. So that's one challenge. Second challenge kind of goes along with that is this insulin resistance. So people with diabetes have this challenge of insulin resistance because of everything I just talked about. So on top of you know their challenges being avoiding carbs and feeling like they need to restrict themselves and kind of go through this process of, oh my God, my life is doomed because of what the hell am I supposed to eat? And really just kind of feeling like they have to go to extremes to make things happen on top of that. Then they also struggle with this insulin resistance piece, which I already talked about. So I don't need to go into that too, too much further. I'm not going to, but that's the second challenge that people face with diabetes. A third challenge that people face with diabetes is constipation. 
you see this a lot with people with diabetes because again, going back to that carb situation, you're not having a lot of fiber, right? Whole grains, fruits, vegetables, those are going to make up your bulk of your fiber. And so if you are cutting out whole grains, if you are cutting out fruit, if you are probably still having vegetables, so that's probably not a huge issue, but probably limiting that a little bit, not getting enough vegetables. So if you're cutting out or limiting those three things, you're not getting enough fiber and then you're constipated and then your body can't excrete extra things and, and pooping is a detox pathway. Like we want to poop to excrete toxins, excrete things in our body, things like extra estrogen. We excrete that through poop. So that is a detox pathway. We poop, everybody poops, everybody poops. And it's natural. And we should do that because that's helping our body out. So when you can't poop, number one, it doesn't feel good. You feel like shit, quite literally, because you know, you're backed up. Things are things aren't passing through you. So it just keeps feeling like you're backing up. Then you feel fall into, you know, I feel like shit, I feel bloated, I feel heavy because you literally have stuff backed up inside of you. And so that's number one. Then number two, you're not able to excrete these things through your body, which and again, cause other problems. So for example, I already mentioned by pooping, you are excreting extra estrogen through that detox pathway in and getting it out of your body. So if you are not pooping, it can get reabsorbed in the body, cause estrogen dominance, which is a whole nother slew of issues. So constipation in itself sucks. We all know that. We all do not like to be constipated. So that is a really big challenge in, an, in and of itself, which can cause also other issues. And this is mainly due to not having enough fiber in your diet because you are going back to challenge number one, avoiding the carbs, avoiding the fruit, avoiding everything that has the most fiber in our diet. And so you're feeling constipated and can't go. Also, by avoiding fiber, fiber is a great, great way to stabilize your blood sugar. That is one of the top action steps that I'm actually going to talk about is include more fiber in your diet. That significantly helps with managing your blood sugar. So if you're not having fiber in your food, you can see changes in your blood sugar and more spikes in your blood sugar because it's not getting that extra fiber to help stabilize it. So again, that one problem, constipation, relates to a whole lot of other problems. So these are some challenges that are seen with people with diabetes. And again, it doesn't have to be this way. You don't have to struggle with constipation. You don't have to struggle with this insulin resistance. You don't have to avoid carbs and feel like your diet sucks and it's boring and bland and you are miserable during this because, because you just don't have to do that. There's other ways that you can go about managing your diabetes where you don't run into these challenges. So let's do a better job of doing the right things so we don't run into challenges like all the ones that I just mentioned. So on to my last point of this podcast episode is action steps. I want to go over some things that you need to focus on if you have diabetes, if you have prediabetes to help manage that a little bit better without running into those challenges. These are things that you can start doing today. They're not very difficult. They are fairly easy things that you can do and I want you to be doing each of these pretty much daily. So let's let's go through that. So number one, we're going to start with the thing to limit. 
obviously, like I said, we don't want to cut out carbs. I've already mentioned that a few times in this episode and my reasons behind why you don't want to avoid all carbs. However, we do want to limit certain things. So things like sugary foods. So think pastries, cakes, breads, things that are just higher in sugar also includes sugar-sweetened beverages like soda, sweetened teas, things like that. All sugary foods and beverages, we want to limit those. We want to limit fried foods. We want to limit high salty foods because those things are, are what's going to cause spikes in blood sugar. And we don't want a spike in blood sugar. So if we're just having those things, you can see probably a bit of an increase in blood sugar and we don't want that. So avoid those things. Now that's not to say or I mean, limit those things. That's not to say you need to avoid them completely. You do not have to do that. But let's say, for example, you are wanting a cookie. You can have a cookie, but have that with another meal. Have that with something that has more fiber, protein, healthy fats in them so that you're able to balance that blood sugar a little bit better. You can have those things, but make sure you're having them with other meals. If you're just waking up one morning and going to grab cake or a cookie, you're going to see a lot higher of a blood sugar spike than if you have that cookie with some eggs on the side and, I don't know, some vegetables with it or a fruit with it, whatever. Those things help to stabilize your blood sugar. So don't have them by themselves. Obviously, you want to limit those things just for overall health purposes anyway. So even somebody without diabetes, you want to limit those things anyway, just for overall general health. They're, you know, inflammatory. So we don't want to cause more of an inflammatory response in our body. And so limiting those in general is helpful. More so, even more specifically for people with diabetes, prediabetes, it's going to be really important for you to limit those things and or if you do want those things, again, you don't have to totally cut them out, but please have them with other meals so that you're limiting the spike in your blood sugar and it's kind of helping to stabilize that a little bit more. So that's number one action step. Pretty, pretty self-explanatory. That goes along with my second point is, you know, helping to balance your blood sugar is dress up your carbs. This is a term that a lot of dietitians use to explain how to not just have carbs by themselves. So dressing up your carbs. So again, if you're having just carbs, you're going to see a little bit more of a spike in blood sugar because for those who don't know, also not to get like too, too nerdy, I don't want to dive into this too much, but carbs break down into sugar in your body. I don't know, maybe you've known that, but for those who don't know, like protein gets broken down into amino acids in the body, carbs get broken down into sugar. So carb carbs are sugar. That is why carbs increase your blood sugar more because they break down into sugars in your body when you digest them. And so if you're just having a carb, even if it's, you know, a quote unquote healthy carb, you are going to see a greater spike in blood sugar because naturally they're breaking down into sugar. So what we'd like to say is dress up your carbs. And this kind of goes back to the point that I already said with the sugary fried salty foods is having carbs with something else. So things that will help stabilize your blood sugar and cause not so great of a spike in your blood sugar are things like protein, fiber is a really great one, and healthy fats. So all of these things stabilize your blood sugar. Think of it like there's a term that I like to use. It's called a rocket, a blood sugar rocket. However, I feel like that's kind of hard to like 
picture for those who are listening to this and not watching like a YouTube video, even though I don't even have it up on YouTube. So explaining it through a microphone is a little bit hard. So we're just going to use like a roller coaster, right? So you have like your high incline right before a big drop. If you're having just carbs, you are going up that steep incline on this roller coaster. And eventually during the day, you're going to see that big drop. So that really big roller coaster hill is your blood sugar with just carbs. Now think of like the little mini mounds that roller coasters go through, like the little up and down parts. That is your blood sugar with protein, with fiber, with fats. It helps to one, slow down the digestion. So you're not having a great spike in this sugar rush right away because you're slowing down the digestive process. Number two, it's also helping just with the breakdown of everything. You're not just having sugar in your body. You're having sugar, amino acids, fats, all that stuff. So it's going to have more of those like little mini mounds on a roller coaster rather than the big incline and drop. I hope that you guys can picture that in your head, but that is what I mean by dressing up your carbs, just having it with other nutrients to help stabilize or lessen the spike of your blood sugar. So that is going to be number two, try to avoid having carbs just by themselves, increase the amount of other things that you're having with it. Always pair. So like, for example, if you're having a piece of toast, have it with some eggs on the side. Even if like, so for example, I love pancakes. I'm a pancake bean. I they're just delicious to me. I love them. And what I like to do is make protein pancakes. So you can do this either by scratch making your own protein or your own pancakes out of, you know, all the things. Um, but if you're just getting like, say, Bisquick mix or just any normal mix from the grocery store, they do have protein pancake mixes out there with protein already added in. You just need to add water and make your pancakes. Great. However, I really love Bisquick. It tastes so good. I love the taste of Bisquick pancake mix. So if I get pancake mix like Bisquick that is just, you know, carb heavy, there's nothing else added to it. I will go ahead and add a scoop of my own protein to it because I'm having protein with it. I want something else with it. And then I will top it with maybe some peanut butter or I'll have some fruit in it as well to get some fiber. Um, So I generally don't have pancakes ever that are just like normal. And if I do have regular good old fashioned pancakes, no protein added or anything like that, I always, always have eggs or egg whites on the side of it. Again, protein to help balance that blood sugar. So you can have the things that you love, but just make sure that you're not having them solo. The solo carbs aren't going to be your friend, but carbs with a buddy, they're your friend. So that's number two. Number three goes back to this idea of consistent carbs throughout the day. So like I said, one of the biggest myths is cutting out all carbs. Already went through that. We know why we don't want just to avoid all carbs. But rather, you want consistent carbs throughout your whole day because that is also going to balance your blood sugar. So your blood sugar can go up. It can go down. If you're not having any carbs, you might see a drop in your blood sugar and that also has a lot of issues. So we don't want our blood sugar to drop severely. And then also if you go long periods of time without having food or carbs in general, you might see a higher spike when you do have that thing. So 
you want consistent carbs throughout the day. And honestly, you want a, a pretty decent amount. Like I said, you do not have to avoid carbs. We still want like for women, probably like 30 grams of protein per meal. I mean, grams of carbs per meal, 30 to 45 grams of carbs per meal. That's a lot of carbs. You're still getting in a decent amount of carbs. So, you know, we don't have to avoid them. You want more consistent carbs throughout the day. Try to have them be roughly the same amount of carbs. Um, and there is, and if anybody has a question about this, um, you know, as a dietitian, this is something that people use with carb counting is it's kind of like an ex- exchange list. So there's certain carbs that have almost like, I don't know if anybody is listening to this and has done Weight Watchers or knows what it is, but like a point system. So some dietitians use this with their carb counting and getting consistent carbs throughout the day where each carb has a number, like a point attached to it. And so you know how much you're getting based on the food that you're having. So if anybody has questions about that, I can show you that. Um, It's going to be easier for me to just send you the pamphlet over with like the carbs and their number together rather than me explain it on this podcast. So if anybody's like, I'm interested in that and I need to kind of count my carbs throughout the day and have more consistent carbs throughout the day, I will gladly send you this pamphlet and you can just see what I mean about giving carbs a number and adding up to the amount of grams that you need per meal. So let me know if you need any of that. But overall, you just want to make sure that you're having roughly the same amount of carbs throughout the whole day so that you're balancing it. You're not having a big spike and then a big drop and then a big spike and then a big drop. They're kind of staying, you know, you're having a spike and it's maintaining maybe a little bit of a spike again when you have your meal and then it's maintaining. You're never having this like up, down, severe, crazy roller coaster going on with your blood sugar. It helps it to keep it more stable throughout the entire day. So that's number three. Number four is physical activity. Don't sleep on physical activity. Physical activity has been proven to also stabilize your blood sugar. It also helps with things like weight loss and weight management. So there's more than one benefit to physical activity. I can name a lot, but I won't. But in terms of just diabetes, it does help with weight management, weight loss, and balancing your blood sugar and stabilizing that throughout the day. So physical activity does not have to be anything extreme. You do not have to go to the gym and do an hour of cardio. Please don't, do not confuse physical activity with extremes. You do not have to do that. In fact, you shouldn't do that. Things like walking are great. People severely underestimate the power of walking. And if you just go for a 30 minute walk a day, you will see significant, significant change in both your diabetes, pre-diabetes numbers, and also your weight. Just walking 30 minutes a day can do wonders. So focus on physical activity, but please do not just go to extremes and go to the gym and do an hour on the treadmill, an hour on the elliptical, call it a day. No, we really want to have lower impact cardio along with strength training. Strength training helps incredibly with, again, balancing just cracked my voice. Balancing blood sugar. Also with your metabolism, it's very, very crucial with that. Building up more lean muscle does help with weight management and just burning more fat at rest. So it helps with a lot. So your main focus should be resistance training. That should be the number one thing that you start to do if you're not doing anything right now, or if you want to improve your physical activity, you need to be doing weight training on top of low impact 
cardio. Those are the things that you need to focus on with physical activity. But try to move daily. Try to, like I said, even if it's you're not going to the gym and getting a lift in, try to just go for a short walk. Go for a mile walk. You don't have to go for four or five miles. Just have a 20 to 30 minute walk a day and you're set. It doesn't have to be anything crazy, but get moving daily. Don't just sit on the couch every single day. And something also to note with the physical activity is hypoglycemia. So when your blood sugar drops too low, you can get into hypoglycemia, which is really terrible. Do not do that. So my tip for you with physical activity, if you have diabetes, it's very important that you're watching your blood sugar. So do not skip a meal before you go to exercise because we do not want to drop into that hypoglycemic range. That is scary and not good and we don't want that. So don't skip a meal before you exercise. Try to have something a little bit substantial before you exercise so that you're not at risk of hypoglycemia. So that's just a little side note with that. But those are your four action steps. Those are things that you can do today to help manage your diabetes and help lower your A1C and get out of this pre-diabetic range if you're pre-diabetic. So again, recapping, avoid, not avoid, limit sugary fried salty foods or have those with different meals. Number two, balance your blood sugar by dressing up your carbs, aka have it with a protein, a fiber, a healthy fat. Number three, have consistent carbs throughout the day. Do not avoid and cut out carbs, but rather have consistent carbs throughout the day. Again, roughly like 30 grams is is pretty solid per meal. Number four, physical activity. Focus on strength training and low impact exercise and do not skip a meal before you go exercise because we do not want to be hypoglycemic. So those are four things that you can do today. They're fairly easy, but they will have a significant impact on your health. So Hopefully this was helpful. Um, I, like I said, I'm open to sending anybody the kind of like pamphlet on the carb counting. If anybody needs that specifically, let me know. But diabetes does not have to be a nightmare and you do not have to run to a semi-glutide and just rely on that because like I already said, you have greater chances of rebounding after that than if you just work on your habits right now and really get consistent with those. You're going to have a lot better outcome by doing that than just relying on something like a semaglutide. So it can be scary when you're diagnosed with those things. A lot of people feel like the world is falling apart and that they have to go to extremes to fix what's happening with them. It doesn't have to be the case. You just have to work on your overall habits in your day, make lifestyle changes, and do things correct because a lot of extremes can have negative side effects and consequences to them. So Hope this was helpful. Like I said, if you do not have diabetes or pre-diabetes and you're listening to this, you can send it to somebody who does. If you have questions, as always, my DMs are open. Send me a DM with whatever questions you have. But hopefully you enjoyed this episode and I'll see you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Health Club with Julia podcast. If you love the episode, share the podcast and tag me and subscribe so you don't miss any further episodes. If you have any questions, feel free to send me a DM. Thanks for being a part of the club. See you next time. 